During a joint address with Secretary of State Antony Blinken on human trafficking, Kamala Harris articulated her theory of which groups should be considered the most vulnerable. We are focused on the most vulnerable. And based on my experience, the most vulnerable are women and girls, racial and ethnic minorities, LGBTQI plus people, indigenous people, people with disabilities, migrants, and children in the foster care system. When we identify who is most vulnerable, we can tailor our tactics and improve our strategy. So according to Kamala Harris, every single person on the face of the earth is vulnerable to human trafficking, except for me. I am the only one who is not. Straight white dudes who know that they are dudes are, according to Kamala Harris and the rest of the liberal establishment, by the way, the only non-vulnerable group on earth. Which got me thinking, when every power structure in the country says that only one group is invulnerable and therefore unworthy of protection, doesn't that make that group the most vulnerable group? I'm ostensibly male, definitely straight, and arguably white, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Stray Dog, who says, a few hundred years ago, Tom Hanks would be the guy wearing a funny hat while juggling to entertain the king. A few hundred years ago. I, <laughs> I agree with your comment, except for that few hundred years ago point. Tom Hanks and all of Hollywood are still doing the same role that they would have been doing 200 years ago, 300 years ago, a thousand years ago. They are the jesters in the court they serve the power, they serve at the pleasure of the king. And when the king calls in a favor and says, hey, Tom Hanks, make me a commercial that makes me look good, you know that that jester is going to dance. That's just the way it works. And Biden needs it right now because among other problems, gas is going through the roof, which is why you need to check out Get Upside. How would you feel if you could get 25 cents back per gallon every time you go to the pump? You'd probably feel pretty good about that. What if I told you that for your first fill-up, you could actually get 50 cents per gallon cash back? You'd probably feel even better about that. What if I told you that you could do all of this for free with the free Get Upside app? That's right. Get the free Get Upside app. Enter code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You will save up to 50 cents per gallon uh, for your first fill-up, and then you'll save 25 cents per gallon for every fill-up after that. There's no catch, just cash back. The cash gets added directly to your bank account, or it can go to PayPal if you prefer, or it can go to an, an Amazon gift card or a gift card to some other shop. It is super easy. People who drive a lot are saving two to 300 bucks per year with GetUpside. Download the free GetUpside app. Use promo code Knowles to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is code, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, Knowles. It is not just straight white men who know that they are men who are catching the brunt of woke politics these days, although we are being insulted and and uh, discriminated against and maligned by all the people in power. But it's not just those white dudes. It's also black guys who have the audacity to buck the 
prevailing political orthodoxies. There is an incredible video going around <laughs> of a, a black guy in an elevator who is standing next to a couple of white women of a certain age, and he's not wearing his mask because he's not brainwashed. He's not hypnotized. He knows that there's more to life than masking yourself up like a bandito to avoid a cough. And so he's in there and these women start screaming at him and hitting him actually, all while yelling, Black Lives Matter. Get out. Get out of here, you dirty, filthy black man. Get out of here with your filthy, dirty germs. You cannot be in here with us clean, clean white ladies. Black lives matter. Black lives totally matter. I don't know what sort of accent they have. Some European accent, I take it. And the guy <laughs> seems to be getting kind of a kick out of it. He's like, hey, man, stop hitting me. What are you? I'm not getting out of the elevator. Come on, I'm just, I'm just trying to get up to my floor. They're like, no, no. These are hitting him. Black lives matter. How do they do this? How do they resolve this? That they are claiming Black Lives Matter as they are literally attacking a black guy and trying to get him off of the elevator. It makes perfect sense. Under wokeness, under political correctness, under cultural liberalism, what you call it, whatever you want, saying the right thing supplants doing the right thing. This has always been the case. So the actions that these women are engaging in are quite ugly, cruel, uncharitable, discriminatory even. But what they're saying is we are good people, right? That's what, when you say BLM these days, you're just saying we are good people. We're good. We're not bad. We're good. And so they're saying we are good people, even as they're doing a very bad thing. That is how wokeism works. This is why corporations, while they're doing all sorts of bad things on labor, while they're doing all sorts of bad things politically, while they're doing all sorts of bad things, even on the environment in some cases, they will say the right thing. They'll wave the rainbow flag. They'll post the black square on BLM day. And then they think that gets them off the hook. These Hollywood celebrities flying around in private jets, spewing pollution into the atmosphere. Well, it's fine. They get off the hook for that because they say that they're supporting climate efforts. They're climate fighters. They're not climate deniers. All of these rich white celebrities who live in extremely rich white neighborhoods and send their kids to really rich white schools, they say black lives matter. And so they, they have no racial animus. They have no, no race problems. Poor white people who are friends with black people, who live in communities with black people, who send their kids to schools with black people, if they don't say BLM, if they don't support anarchists and rioters in the streets, well, they're dirty, rotten racists. Saying the right thing supplants doing the right thing. Now, these, these white women, I, I, I hate to discriminate, but these white women in particular can sometimes be guilty of this, especially on the view. So one of the cackling hens on the view, who seems to be a 
a member of this certain species of upper-class white women, liberal upper-class white women, she articulated her extraordinarily neurotic view that life can never go back to normal after COVID. I think there's a prudence we've learned with the mask, the hand, sanita- uh, hand sanitizing that kind of like 9-11 with flying is always going to be here now. There's a new normal. In the beginning, when post 9-11, people didn't want to fly and the security measures felt like, uh, how do we do this? You know, and now it's the norm. I think some of the things we've learned in this pandemic are going to stay the same. I may never ride a subway again without a mask. I may never go indoors to big crowds and never feel comfortable without a mask. And that's up to me to do that. Obviously, this is insane behavior and an insane way of viewing the world that you will never see people again. You will never go into a large group of people without covering up your face. So you'll never, you'll never see a group full of smiles again. That's gone. You will never share air with a group of people again. You will never take public transportation again without wearing a secular hijab, a kefia. That's insane behavior. But even beyond that, she says, look, and if you want to do that, that's up to you. I don't think that should be up to you. Right now, the debate on the masks is over two positions. There's the leftist position, which is every single person needs to wear at least one or two masks. And then there's the kind of conservative position, which is that if you want to wear a mask, do it. And if you don't want to wear a mask, don't. That's kind of the squish position. I'd like to suggest a further position, a genuinely conservative position, which is you should not be permitted outside of very rare exceptions, very rare circumstances. You should not be permitted to wear a mask in public. We do not want to be a society of banditos. That is disordered. It's weird. We look like we're train robbers in the wild west. It is not serving the medical function that we were told it would after we were told it would not after we were told it would, you know, obviously it's gone back and forth quite a lot because the public health establishment is extremely cynical and dishonest and deceptive, but we should not permit it. I don't, I do not want to live in a society where we're all covering up each other's faces. If you want to move to Afghanistan, if you want to, that's fine. Go, go. I don't care if the women on the view want to move to Afghanistan, I'm not going to stop them but I don't want to live in that society. And I have some rights to decide (laughs) how this society is going to function because I'm a citizen, because I'm a member of that society. And I think there are a whole lot of us who don't want to live in this sterile world where we no longer view our countrymen as our brothers, as our kinsfolk, where we just view them as walking bags of germs who are going to kill us all. I'm not, I'm out. I don't want that. Okay. And so in as much as I have any political power, I am going to stop I'm, I'm on a mission of mercy. I'm going to stop these neurotic women on The View from driving themselves even crazier than they already are, okay? Take off the stupid masks. They're really dumb. They're, I'm not, by the way, by the way, YouTube, by the way, Facebook, by the way, Big Tech, I'm not making any medical claim here. I'm not making any claim about the transmissibility and the, how it affects them. I'm not. I'm making a political claim. The masks are dumb. I hate them. They're disordered. People should not use that. It's degrading. Take them off. Okay. That's my claim. Can't fact check me on that. It's obviously true. They want to lock us all in our pods. So when it comes to reality, the left is trying to isolate us all from one another. Socially, physically, they're going to try to put us all in our pods. And then they want us all to reconnect in a dystopian future virtual reality. Now, when you want to hear lots of 
interesting things about what happened in the past, what might happen in the future, I would recommend you tune into the Jordan Harbinger Show. It's about time you check out the Jordan Harbinger Show, a top shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes to authors to scientists to mobsters to spies. Check out his episode with Jack Schaefer or Kobe Bryant. Without fail, Harbinger pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode, all with the noble cause to make you a more informed, critical thinker to better operate in today's world. He's also got a strangely relatable weekly segment called Feedback Friday, where Jordan covers advice on everything from psycho family situations to relationships to networking. You can't go wrong with adding the Jordan Harbinger show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for the Jordan Harbinger show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R as in really. Go do it right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That is the Jordan Harbinger show. Enjoy. The, the ladies on The View think that we should all just lock ourselves in our rooms forever. Now, this sounds kind of depressing, except there's really good news because the rest of the liberal establishment moving from the corporate press into big tech right now, they have a way that we're all going to really enjoy ourselves. They are going to plug us into the metaverse. Facebook just unrolled their new product. This is the first step toward just plugging all of our brain stems into the matrix. This is the Facebook horizon product that is going to revolutionize the way that we live. Beyond our world, there's another world. And it's right here, on my face. Welcome, this is Horizon. Think of me as your guide slash self-appointed spokes avatar here to show you around. You know, Horizon is filled with possibilities. You can play stuff, make stuff, fly stuff, whoa. Really love the stash, Stuart. What up, Stuart? Wait, I want a mustache. Horizon isn't about rules or limits or pants or people telling you not to fly an airplane while drinking your fresh ground, fair trade, French press morning coffee through a curly straw. Isn't that right, Debbie? Mm-hmm. It's about getting out there and trying new things, making your mark, making friends with an Australian named Mark. Oh, actually, I'm from New Zealand. And you can even build a world of your own, like laser tag moon landing. We just need to get out there, you know? Just come on, Facebook Horizon, it's about getting out there by locking yourself in your room and putting on goggles so you can't even see the small world around you. You know, you know, out there, meaning in there, meaning the, meaning the opposite of out there. The creepiest thing about this video, for those of you who, was, who were just listening and didn't get to see it, is that no one has any legs. They're all just floating around in their blazers. And there's just air between their bottom of their stomach and the ground. And that was the joke that they referenced. They said, hey, you don't even need to worry about pants. I thought, why? Why don't <laughs> this, how did they take this already creepy thing? Why would they make it so much creepier? And then it occurred to me, oh, it's because of all the sex stuff. <laughs> it's because if people had legs, in this virtual reality world, they would all just be screwing around the whole time. <laughs> that's what, it actually, that, uh, that's not even just my speculation that already happened. In one of these beta tests on the virtual reality, some woman claimed that she was uh, sexually groped in the metaverse. She obviously was not sexually groped because she was sitting in her pod alone in her room. No one touched her body. 
but they touched the representation of her body. And so I guarantee you this was the thinking on this. They said, gosh, if we have legs and all the stuff between the legs and the belly, you know, uh, then this is going to get, this is going to go downhill real fast because the whole premise of virtual reality is there are no rules. Any of your appetites you can satisfy. And one of the main appetites that human beings have is the sexual appetite. So they say, okay, we're just going to denude. We're going to, we're going to take away the sexual aspect of man. One of the if not the central part of our physical nature. We're just going to take that away. And now you're all going to float around. This is a regression back into childhood that you're seeing. First of all, by unsexing people, that's a regression back into childhood. You're going back into a prepubescent state through the decision to live in a cartoon world, right? We're going to, we're going to take ourselves out of the real world. We're going to put ourselves back into a cartoon world with magical castles where we can dance on the moon, where we can go on roller coasters and fly airplanes while sipping through a sippy straw, through a curly straw. Isn't that so wonderful? At a time when the world needs many more adults, we don't have, our adults are not acting like adults already. What virtual reality is offering us is an, an even more radical regression into childhood. And ultimately what this is, is an attack on the physical. This is something that the the conservatives have not understood about the the way the left is operating right now. The left, one of the chief instruments by which the left is reordering our culture is by attacking the physical world. I'll give you an example of this. The BBC right now just came out, the BBC, British Broadcasting Company, they are censoring their own media, their own content, their own TV shows. The Daily Telegraph just reported that an anonymous Radio 4 Extra listener had, quote, discovered the BBC had been quietly editing repeats of shows over the past few years to keep more in keeping with social mores. So now now we're finding out that the entrenched powers, they're not just censoring experience like you see in the, the metaverse, in the Facebook horizon. They're censoring art, culture, history. Pretty radical claim, pretty serious accusation. What say you, BBC? They admitted it. The BBC said, quote, on occasion, we edit some episodes so they are suitable for broadcast today, including removing racially offensive language and stereotypes from decades ago, as the vast majority of our audience would expect. You know, I hate to say I told you so. I have seen this coming. Many of you have as well. For many months, if not years now, I have stopped buying digital books, digital movies. I'll still buy them on occasion, when I, especially when I need them very quickly. But in terms of my collections of media, I, I really only buy physical now. I buy physical books. When I can, I try to buy physical movies, even physical photographs. Because when, when all of your media are digital, then they are open to surreptitious editing. You don't really own them. Even when you, when you download a movie and you think you own that movie, you don't. You've bought a license for that movie, but Netflix or Amazon or whoever is distributing that movie, they can take it away whenever they want, or they can edit that movie whenever they want. The, the, big, the big misconception here is that we primarily think of the libs as trying to change our culture by disconnecting us from the spiritual. 
right? The, the libs are trying to take us out of church. The libs are trying to stop us from praying. No prayer in schools, no Bible in schools. The libs are trying to mock the idea that there is a God or a transcendent moral order. The, the libs are pushing materialism, say. They're saying we're just flesh and blood when they're not pushing the opposite of materialism, when they say that our bodies have nothing to do with who we are with transgenderism, right? It's an attack on the spiritual, we think. No, not primarily. Primarily, it's an attack on the physical. If they can divorce us from the physical world and our natural physical connections, then, then it, it's much more, more easy for them to upend our spiritual understanding too. I know this is a little bit pie in the sky, so look at it in really tangible terms. We come into this world, what is our dearest physical connection? What, what, is, what is the dearest physical thing about us? It's probably our sex, right? The physical differences between little boys and little girls. So what does the left do? They deny that. And you see this in the theory of transgenderism. What's our next nearest physical connection? It's to mommy and daddy. The connection between a, a little baby and his mother is the nearest physical connection he's going to have. So they try to divorce that. No longer does a baby need a mommy. Now a baby can be made in a test tube and be given to a mommy and a daddy or just a mommy or just a daddy or two daddies or three daddies and a goat. Doesn't matter. They're, they're disconnecting reproduction from the natural sexual act. Beyond that, then, the nearest connect, physical connection we have is from a little child to our families. The left is trying to get rid of that as quickly as they possibly can. They want the child taken away from the family earlier and earlier, not just in first grade, but then in kindergarten, not just in kindergarten, but then in preschool, not just in preschool, but starting when you're two or three years old, the state will fund this. They will take, they'll pay you to take your kid away and, and instruct this child and raise that child and educate him. And then they'll stay in college longer and longer and longer. And then you will be impelled to move away from your family. Don't stay in your hometown, move away, move away. We all do it. So many of us do it these days move to a city, move, have every, break that physical connection. And then we will be told, don't eat when you, even when you go to work, don't go to work. You don't need to go to work anymore. Go, you don't need to go into an office. Just zoom in, just sit in your pod and open up your computer and communicate digitally. Won't that be fun? This is what the, the World Economic Forum has talked about. This is what so many of our international elite institutions have talked about. You hear phrases like the great reset. You hear phrases like you, you will own nothing and you will be happy. You won't even have ownership of your body. <laughs> you, or you won't even have that connection to your body. Forget ownership. You won't even have that connection. They're trying to sever you. Uh, James Poulos at the Claremont Institute made this great point. He said, transgenderism, it's a little bit of a distraction. It's a way to get into transhumanism. Don't do it. Grab on. Have real physical connections. Acknowledge physical reality. Boys, girls, family, country, culture, borders, stop denying the physical world. You know, the next episode of Adam Carolla's comedy series, Truth Yeller, airs tomorrow. Adam is joined by Silicon Valley actor and comedian T.J. Miller, who wears a very short clip on time and takes no prisoners. Check it out. Sorry, I was, I was just jogging. I was trying to find my dog. But I double fist it because, you know, it evens out as you jog the weight. This guy looked at me and he goes, it's true. It is true. Now, I'm yeah. joking, but you're serious. This guy really does do it. Hi. Uh, hey, Thank you TJ. for having me. Thanks for coming out. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. This yeah. is just a prop, though. Do you want this? 
Oh, you won't take it, huh? Why, COVID? You one of those guys, huh? Won't drink a stranger's beer because of COVID? I, I, I hate those guys. I know. I agree. Come on. Let's just spread a little germs. Get your immune system up. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, for 25% off your membership. Look out for the new episode with TJ Miller dropping tomorrow. Also, Daily Wire now has our own publishing wing. You know that. It's DW Books. We're very proud to be publishing two books that are actively fighting the left's monopoly on storytelling. The first is 12 Seconds in the Dark by Sergeant Mattingly. The book is the true story of what really happened the night of the Breonna Taylor shooting from the 20-year police veteran. And the second is Fiery But Mostly Peaceful by Julio Rosas, who pulls back the curtain and sets the record straight on the Black Lives Matter riots that broke out across the country in 2020. I can't wait for you to hear their stories. Both are available for pre-order now on Amazon or anywhere you buy books online. We'll be right back with a lot more. This attack, this liberal attack on physical stuff, real, tangible, physical stuff, goes really, really deep. It's not even just about your personal life. It's not even just about your home or your family. It goes to the national borders. Traditionally, we think of a nation as being the place within the nation's borders. The nation is having something to do with the people of that nation. What the left tells us is, no, there's no such thing. The borders don't matter. Borders are, are either fake or evil or both. <laughs> We, either way, we need to ignore them. The people of a country, that doesn't really matter. Some guy in Timbuktu is more American than Joe Blow in, in Mississippi. Why? I don't know. How is that pot? What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. But it, it, it is, why are, are we now not permitted to use physical money? You'll notice increasingly we are discouraged from using physical money. We're supposed to use electronic money. Much easier for a centralized power to freeze your electronic money if it's just numbers on a spreadsheet rather than physical money. Even physical money, just fiat money, is less real than, say, money backed by a, a, a tangible good like, uh, like gold, for instance. It, this, <laughs> this can go much, much, much deeper. It's not just something that was decided over the past couple of years by the World Economic Forum or something like that. And this is why all of that is to say I really liked a comment that Jen Psaki made the other day, and she was pilloried for this comment by the left and by the right, and I need to stand up and defend Jen because I found the comment charming and actually somewhat encouraging. My advice to everyone out there who's frustrated, sad, angry, pissed off, feel those emotions, go to a kickboxing class, have a margarita, do whatever you need to do this weekend, and then wake up on Monday morning. We got to keep fighting. And what that means, Lindsay, is we have to keep talking to members about federal legislation. That's essential. That's something that can be permanent, that can make sure people's rights are protected. But we also need to uh, make sure people are educated in states across the country about what their rights are, uh, how they can vote, when they can vote, how to request an absentee ballot. There's a lot we need to do on that front, and that's going to rely on the energy and the anger of those, that activism as well. I love this. Of course, the second half is just blah, 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 be a Democrat, help the Democrat talking points. Sure. That's what you expect. That's her job. She's a spokesman for the Democrat president. That first part, look, you're angry, you're pissed off. Hey guys, go to a kickboxing class, go outside, go see your friends, go get a drink at the bar, go have a margarita, cool it. There's more to life than just these 
specific policy battles. There's more, there's your friends, there's your community, there's the local bar down the street, and there's the gym on the other end of the street. Go do that. And then you can go get back to work on Monday. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Great advice. First of all, there is more to life than these specific policy battles, of course. But second, going into our communities, actually just talking to friends, can be extraordinarily restorative. Jordan Peterson had a comment the other day that I thought was so good. I don't think he's the first person to come up with this idea, but he articulated it in a really clear way, which is that rationality is a communal endeavor. When you are alone for long periods of time, you go crazy, inevitably. This is also an important lesson for the radical individualists on the right. The radical individualism says, leave me alone. I'm going to go sit alone on my farm in Montana, my ranch in Montana. I'm going to have a mini gun ready to just blast away anybody who comes near me. I am an individual. I am an island. I'm an atomized person floating in space. No, you're crazy if you think that. You're crazy. I know that some right-wingers feel pushed to take that position because the left is trying to bundle us all together in a commie collective. But you are not an individual. And the opposite of communism or socialism is not individualism. They're actually two sides of the same coin. What the left has always done is broken down society into a group of atomized individuals, broken down all those institutions, all the mediating institutions, notably the family. Then once you're all a bunch of individuals, they bundle you all together. The fascists bundle you all together in a, in a, a bag of sticks. <laughs> not, a, not a bag, a bundle of sticks, rather. I, my fascist imagery, imagery escaped me for a second. And the socialists bundle you all together underneath the, the aegis of the state. And they just bundle you all together and they treat you as little, little dots, little inputs in a spreadsheet rather than as real people with real communities, with real institutions. And what Jen Psaki is saying is, no, come on, just go out there. Get out there in the physical world. See your friends. It's a good thing. It'll keep, it'll keep you much more rational. Part of the reason people have lost their freaking minds over the past two years is because we have isolated ourselves. We have not been in community. We have been sitting alone. A lot of people have been sitting alone for two years, and that will inevitably drive you nuts. Now, that is the only sensible thing that Jen Psaki has said recently. Psaki was just asked yesterday about the decision of the FDA to prevent certain states, notably Florida, from receiving monoclonal antibodies. This is a treatment that seemed to show a great success in dealing with COVID. Uh, now they've cut, cut off Florida. Ron DeSantis is furious about this. Here's Saki's response. The FDA yesterday withdrew the EUA for some monoclonal antibody treatments because they don't work against Omicron. But Florida continues to push for the treatment for people in the state. What's your response to Governor Santos, and what's your message to the people of Florida? Well, let's just take a step back here just to realize how crazy this is a little bit. Um, we've approached uh, COVID treatments like filling a medicine cabinet. We're not relying on one type, one brand, or treatment. We invested in and continue to buy a variety across monoclonal antibodies, pre-exposure prevention therapies, and oral antivirals. 
we have provided 71,000 doses of antivirals to Florida, including 34,000 additional treatments that do work against Omicron just this last week. I'm sorry, about of a range of those treatments, I should say, to be clear. What the FDA is making clear is that these treatments, the ones that they are fighting over, that the governor is fighting over, do not work against Omicron, and they have side effects. That is what the scientists are saying. We have sent them 71,000 doses of treatments that are effective against Omicron. Think about how insane this is. The FDA, the spokesman for science, said something. And, and then the governor in Florida, he's, he's disagreeing with that. How insane is that? As if Ron DeSantis doesn't have health advisors in Florida. As if it's just Ron DeSantis on some message board online, you know, passing around conspiracy theories, contradicting the geniuses at the FDA. No, I'm pretty sure Ron DeSantis has pretty good health advisors in Florida. I forget the health secretary's name in Florida. He, he appointed him not, not too long ago. Extraordinarily impressive guy, but he had a different take on COVID and on the mandates and on the lockdowns and on the vaccines and on the treatments than the feds did, than the Democrat health advisors at the national level. This is not a battle between the scientists on one hand and Ron DeSantis and the politicians on the other. This is two battles that overlap, a battle between the feds and the states and a battle between the Democrats and the Republicans. The Democrats control the federal government, usually, and especially right now, Ron DeSantis and the Republicans control the state. Which which do you think has a better record? If you had to say right now, okay, I'm getting two different contradictory pieces of medical advice, one from the federal government and the Democrats and Joe Biden, and one from Ron DeSantis and the conservatives and the states. Who do you think has a better record on COVID? It's obviously DeSantis. It's obviously the Republicans. It's obviously Florida. Way better record than Joe Biden. All I know about the FDA and the FBA here is a representative of the broader public health establishment of Dr. Fauci and Dr. Scarf and Rochelle Walensky and the rest of them. They've gotten most things wrong about COVID. I don't think that's an exaggeration. They've gotten most things wrong. And in some cases they've lied. So I think I'm going to go with DeSantis. I think I'm going to go with his health advisors. I think I'm going to go with the states and the Republicans. That's just the rational thing to do. If you want to follow the science, that would be the logical conclusion. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the idea that the liberal health establishment is is really engaging in open discourse and following the science is that that silly notion is collapsing all around us. There was Senate testimony just, just the other day from Dr. Aaron Cariarty explaining how, at least in the state of California, there, there is no opportunity to dissent from the politically correct orthodoxy on these issues. That actually, even when you think there's an opportunity to dissent, really the entrenched powers that be are going to go in and, and cut that off at the knees. Went out to all physicians from the medical board saying, any physician in California who writes an inappropriate exemption for masks or other COVID-related measures will have his medical license subjected to investigation and disciplinary action. So for a physician, just to help you to understand, this kind of uh, threat 
hanging over your head is worse than the threat of getting fired. If I get fired from a particular healthcare organization, I can go to another healthcare organization or go start a private practice. If I lose my medical license, I cannot practice medicine. Okay? That's how serious this is. The letter never defined what might constitute an appropriate or inappropriate mask mandate. So I have no idea if I write a mandate for a kid with a severe anxiety disorder that's worsened by the wearing of a mask. Is that, is that going to subject my medical license to disciplinary action? It has become de facto impossible to get a medical exemption for a COVID vaccine in the state of California. It has become de facto. So not maybe not according to the letter of the law, but in practice, in fact, it has become impossible to get those exemptions. Why? Because the doctors are told if you give the exemption, then you're, you're very likely going to lose your license. And so the doctors are not going to do it. There are plenty of good reasons not to get the vaccine. I'm not saying that there are no good reasons to get the vaccine necessarily. I'm saying that there are plenty of good reasons not to get the vaccine. There are the moral considerations, namely all of the vaccines are produced, at least produced, and some are developed with, rather they're all developed with, some are produced with fetal stem cells, cells derived from these, these fetal stem cell lines. And there are, there are medical reasons not to get the vaccines. There have been a number of studies that have shown risks of side effects, including inflammation of the heart, including nerve damage, including blood clotting, and including death. Not saying it's common. It's more pronounced risk in certain groups than other groups. And so you could make a prudential judgment, huh, I'm not really so much at risk from the virus, so maybe I'm going to avoid the vaccine. There are plenty of reasons not to do, particularly if you have some heart condition, right? Particularly if you have moral qualms about it. And it's almost impossible to get those exemptions. So the liberal establishment gets to pretend that, yeah, listen, we're just, we're just following the science. We're, we're being very open-minded. We're granting exemptions. But by the way, if you don't go along with exactly what we're saying right this very second, even if it contradicts what we said two seconds ago, if you don't do that right now, we're going to destroy your life. We're going to destroy your career. But you have choice. It's not choice. It's the illusion of choice. And this is having real world effects, by the way. These sorts of ideas are having real world effects. There is a 31-year-old father right now who is waiting for a heart transplant over at a Boston hospital. And he's right up toward the top of the list. And he is reportedly being bumped off that list. Why is he being bumped off of that list or being bumped way, way down the list? You know, you can intuit what I'm going to say. It's because he refuses to take the COVID vaccine. So a man is very, very likely, very possibly, probably very likely going to die because he refuses to take the vaccine without which the public health establishment says he is going to die. And he's got a good reason to avoid the vaccine too. 31-year-old father currently at at a Boston hospital, refusing to get the vaccine. His name is DJ Ferguson. His family says he was the first on the list to receive a transplant at Brigham and Women's Hospital, but he's no longer eligible because of his vaccine status. This according to CBS Boston. Now, his father says, I think my boy is fighting pretty damn courageously and he has integrity and principles he, he believes in and 
That makes me respect him all the more. It's his body. It's his choice. Okay. Why won't he get the vaccine? You would think, look, you're a 31-year-old guy. You got a couple of kids. You got another kid on the way. You're up on the list for the heart transplant. Just get the vaccine. Right? What's the worst that happens? You die? Well, you're going to die anyway, very likely. So I, I see why people would say, just go, just get it. Now, maybe he's got some moral convictions about it. He says, I'm not going to use I'm not going to even engage in the remote cooperation with evil that, that is entailed in, in taking these vaccines because of the fetal body parts, fetal stem cells. Maybe. I'm not sure that that's his motivation here either. His argument is that he's got a very serious heart condition and that the vaccines have caused inflammation of the heart in young men. And so he could end up taking the vaccine and then dying shortly thereafter. And according to this report, the doctors have said as much. The doctors have said, yeah, there's a chance, might not be a huge chance, but there's a, there's a chance that you get this vaccine and then your heart just explodes, basically. <laughs> it, it, it enlarges so much and there's no more room for it to enlarge that you could, you could die from the vaccine. That's a risk. And so he's saying, well, I don't want to do that. Let's see if I can go to a different hospital. Let's see if I, there's some different rule. And he's being caught in this madness. The issue is more complex than some conservatives make it out to be. But obviously there are legit reasons not to get this vaccine. The only issue here that I I push back against is the my body, my choice argument. This guy should get, this guy should totally be allowed to stay on the list for the heart transplant. This guy is doing nothing wrong. This guy has plenty of good reasons not to get the vaccine. But that's not a general rule. The my, my body, my choice is a leftist slogan to defend abortion. And I'm all for conservatives throwing that slogan back in their face to own the libs because now the libs are trying to force us all to inject ourselves with the Fauci-ouchie and they're clearly hypocrites. But we don't actually believe it, guys. <laughs> we don't. My body, my choice is not our slogan. That's their slogan. It's a dumb slogan. So I don't think conservatives should be adopting that. There are plenty of laws in our society that we conservatives support that impede some bodily autonomy. Laws against using drugs. That would be the clearest example. Unless you're willing to make, at least unless you're willing during the most deadly uh, drug opioid epidemic ever in our nation's history, unless you're willing to make heroin and fentanyl legal, then you support some drug laws, meaning you don't believe my body, my choice. Unless you oppose public indecency laws and you think that people ought to be able to strut down the sidewalk in their birthday suit, then you support some incursions into bodily autonomy. You don't support my body, my choice. The leftist view and the radical individualist view is that you should be able to do whatever you want with your body. That's not the conservative view. We are not anarchists. We, we believe, if we believe anything at all, we believe that there is a transcendent moral order. We believe that tradition matters. We believe that reverence and humility and respect matter. And so, no, you can't just do whatever you want with your body. This is causing a big problem right now for Trump because Trump is launching, ostensibly launching this new social network called Truth Social. And Truth Social has just announced that they will have content moderation. And so now it's being attacked as not being a total free speech platform. Uh, Truth Social announced this, according to Devin Nunes, the former congressman who's now running Truth Social, 
We want to be very family friendly. We want this to be a very safe place. And we are focused on making sure any illegal content is not on the site. We're going to limit sexually explicit content and posts that include violence, bullying, hate speech, and spam. Some more individualist types are really pushing back against this. But this is good, actually. (laughs) This is good. Moderation is good. Moderation is not a vice. Moderation is a virtue. It's one of the four cardinal virtues, temperance. We like moderation. We don't want there to be all sorts of disgusting, illegal, filthy, terrible things. You're, you're, You're seeing conservatives begin to recognize this in the curriculum debate. Because the curriculum debate over CRT in schools and creepy LGBT LMNOP pornography in schools, the, the conservative position now is not, well, hey, we should have some straight material in there too. Hey, let's put some straight porn in the libraries too. Well, okay, I would never say we should moderate or ban anything from our curricula or our libraries. But I'm just saying, if we're going to have anti-white racism, we should have some pro-white racism too, right? Is that what we're, no, we're not saying that. (laughs) We're saying take out the bad stuff. Take out the poison. It is not good in our education, in our society. There are plenty of things we don't like. This is not an assault on free speech. This is the defense of free speech because free speech always requires limits. Otherwise, free speech can be abused into cacophony. Otherwise, liberty can be abused into licentiousness, which our founding fathers told us is a really, really bad idea. Before I go, I got to get to this. This is really quick. Speaking of speech that should be censored, Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter at CNN 2018, he tweeted out emphatically, calling a journalist an SOB. It was wrong when Trump was a candidate. It's even worse now that he's president. These threats expose journalists to threats and intimidation. And then Joe Biden does the exact same thing. And Brian Stelter apparently gets a kick out of it, and he's, he's retweeting some defenses of it. And then, then he says, okay, this is 2018. It's still true. Yeah, okay, it's not so great. It's still out of line. But the context is different because it's no longer Trump. Yeah, that's true. I actually think Brian Stelter makes a good point here. It is different when Democrats go after the press because Democrats and the press are on the same side with very few exceptions. It actually is different. It's not just pure hypocrisy. It is, to quote, the law professor Adrian Vermeule hierarchy. It's, it's two different, and, and we need to recognize that those are different contexts. We need to recognize that the alliances are different and the way that we can behave in society is different if we ever want to help to transform it and restore a good culture. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. John Bickley here, Daily Wire Editor-in-Chief. Wake up every morning with our show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, the U.S. experiences a record number of illegal border crossings. The Biden administration withdraws one of its vaccine mandates 
and controversy erupts over the Australian Open's handling of Peng Shui protests. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. 